Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. As the 1956-1957 season was coming to an end, the basketball sports writers were sending in their votes for Rookie of the Year, as well as other NBA awards. The season happened to be Bill Russell's rookie season. He absolutely dominated his position all season long. There was no question who the best center in the NBA was that year. It was Bill Russell. He took it to the other great big men in the league like Bob Pettit, Ed McCauley, Ray Felix, and Red Kerr, and he obliterated all of them. Bill Russell was an absolute revelation. The way he blocked shots and went after rebounds was like nothing anyone had ever seen. He could grab the rebound and fire the outlet pass to a streaking Bob Cousy for a fast break the other way before the defense even knew what had happened. The Celtics, with the addition of Bill Russell, finished with the best record in the league that year, and everyone knew it was because of Bill Russell. So when it came time to announce the winner of the Rookie of the Year award, the league announced that Tommy Heinsohn, Bill Russell's teammate, had won the award and a $300 check to go with it. This was a travesty. And this is Basketball History 101. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. And today, we bring you the story of how Tommy Heinsohn won the Rookie of the Year Award over his own teammate, Bill Russell. Now, everyone in the NBA knew well that Heinsohn was not the best rookie in the league that year. Even Heinsohn himself knew that, but he was not going to give back that check or that award. And it was not like Tommy Heinsohn was some trash player. The guy averaged 16 points and 10 rebounds per game that rookie season. In most NBA seasons, those numbers would be good enough to win the Rookie of the Year award legitimately. He was even selected for the All-Star game as a rookie where Bill Russell was not. So please keep that in mind. Heinsohn probably was the second best rookie in the league that year. By the end of his career, he was selected for the All-Star game a total of six times. He ended his career with eight championship rings. He was then inducted into the Hall of Fame as a player in 1986. He really was one of the great players in league history. He also coached the Celtics to two more championships and was then inducted into the Hall of Fame again as a coach in 2015. Heinsohn really was an incredible player, but not better than Bill Russell. So how in the world does the NBA give the Rookie of the Year award to Heinsohn over Bill Russell? Like seriously, how does that happen? Well, there actually is a very simple reason, and it is not some evil conspiracy by the people in the NBA. There was a rule at the time that said that a player had to play at least 50 games in order to be eligible for all postseason awards. Bill Russell had only played 
48 games that season. That is two games shy of being eligible to be the Rookie of the Year, MVP, or any other end-of-year award. All of the games that he missed were all at the front end of the season. He missed the first 24 games of the season, but then played every game after that. So the question becomes, why did he miss the first 24 games of the season? And it was not because of injury. Well, I'll be right back with the answer to that question after this. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of you. Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row One catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row One Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, you know, within reason. Garage sales, probably not. So go <laughs> ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of how Tommy Heinsohn won the Rookie of the Year award over Bill Russell in 1957. As I mentioned before the break, Bill Russell was not eligible for the award because he did not play the necessary 50 games to be eligible for end of season awards. The rule no longer exists for Rookie of the Year. Today, a player needs to play only 30 games to be eligible for Rookie of the Year. Even with this adjustment to the rule, it explains why Zion Williamson did not win the Rookie of the Year award in 2020 because he had had only played 24 games that season. However, as a side note, the NBA is instituting a new rule where players have to play at least 65 games to be eligible for most end-of-season awards. Now, in getting back to Bill Russell, the question remains, where was he for the first 24 games of the season? Well, he was in Australia, playing in the Olympics. Now, this is a bit of a story in itself. The Summer Olympics are always played in, well, the summer. For North America, Europe, and East Asia, the summer goes from June to September. Most Olympic host cities come from these three continents. Therefore, the Summer Olympics are nearly always played in July or August because that is the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. 
but Australia is in the Southern Hemisphere, which means that Australia's summer goes from December to March. That threw a wrench into Bill Russell's plans. He was excited to be drafted by the Boston Celtics and begin his career in the NBA, but he was also committed to playing for the United States at the Olympics. Now, this was back in the days when the Olympics were only for amateurs, so there was a very small window to play basketball in the Olympics. Typically, the player had to be one of the top 12 college players in the country, which means being a junior or senior in college during the year of the Olympics. Because once a player signed that NBA contract, they were no longer eligible to play in the Olympics. And Bill Russell wanted to go for that gold medal before beginning his life in the NBA. The Celtics season began on October 27th, 1956 when they lined up against the New York Knicks without their star rookie. Bill Russell was still with Team USA playing in exhibition games in preparation for the Olympics. The 1956 Melbourne Games ran from November 22nd until December 8th. Now, the story of the 1956 United States Olympic basketball team could be an episode all in itself, so I will keep it short. The team steamrolled through the Olympics undefeated and took that gold medal. Bill Russell had just come off of winning back-to-back -back NCAA championships at the University of San Francisco, and now he had just won the Olympics. And just four months later, after the Olympics, he would have his first NBA championship as well. Now, while all of this was happening in Australia, back in Boston, the Celtics had started the season with a 16-8 record without him. Red Arbuck was fine that Russell missed the beginning of the season. He knew how important the Olympics were. He was also extremely confident in what he had in Bill Russell and was willing to wait. He also knew that he had a good team already and they would be competitive until Russell arrived. Once the Olympics were over, Russell returned to the United States and began to get himself ready to move from California, where he was raised, to Boston, where he would play basketball. That process took about a week. On Saturday, December 22, 1956, just two weeks after he won his gold medal, he suited up for the Boston Celtics to play his first NBA game. He only played 21 minutes in that first game, coming off the bench. He scored 6 points and grabbed 16 rebounds in a 95-93 win over the St. Louis Hawks. By his second game, he was the full-time starter at the center position, taking over for Arnie Risen, who was demoted to the bench. It took Russell a few games to get adjusted to the NBA, but by his fourth game in the league, he scored 15 points and snatched 34 rebounds in a 120-97 blowout of the Philadelphia Warriors. From there, it was on. Russell put the entire league on notice that a new sheriff was in town. He entered the NBA too late to be selected for the All-Star Game, or else surely he would have been selected. He finished his rookie year with 15 points and 20 rebounds per game. Those were stronger numbers than Heinsohn, but as I mentioned earlier, Russell had not played in enough games to be eligible for the Rookie of the Year award. At the time that Heinsohn was announced as the winner of the award, he felt that Russell did not like him very much. And I'm not sure if that is true or not, Russell could be standoffish, especially around new people. Heinsohn had assumed that whatever animosity Russell had for him probably went back to their days in college, when Russell's University of San Francisco was matched up against Holy Cross, which featured Heinsohn. The East Coast press was definitely biased toward East Coast teams and predicted that Heinsohn would show Russell how real basketball was played the East Coast style. Well, Bill Russell completely dominated Heinsohn, even throwing down ferocious dunks on him as a way of sending a message to Heinsohn and the press that they should not underestimate teams from the West Coast. Heinsohn, one of the best players in the country, had never been embarrassed like that by another player. 
A year later, they wind up on the Boston Celtics as fellow rookies and teammates. Now, there was another incident that happened that made Heinsohn think that Russell did not like him. Although in context, the incident had nothing to do with Heinsohn personally. It is a tradition in the NBA that the rookies take on extra responsibilities for the team. For example, a rookie was expected to bring donuts to practice or carry the bags of the veterans while traveling on the road. If a veteran player wanted a certain kind of gum, then they would send a rookie to go get it at the rookie's expense. Back in 1956, the responsibility to carry the bag of basketballs fell to Heinsohn as the only rookie on the team when the season started. He carried that bag dutifully. You can imagine that he was relieved when Russell showed up after the Olympics and they could start to share the duty of carrying the ball bag. Well, Russell would have none of it. He was not carrying anyone's bag but his own, including the bag of basketballs that the team used for practice. Heinsohn ended up carrying that bag the entire season. On another occasion, Heinsohn had brought his young cousin to see a game and he approached Russell to ask if he could sign an autograph for the young cousin. The Celtics were playing as part of a doubleheader at Madison Square Garden and Russell was busy watching the other NBA game that night. Russell refused to sign that autograph without even looking at the kid. Now you can understand how Heinsohn got the impression that Russell just did not like him. As the team was preparing for the playoffs that season, Heinsohn was sitting in the locker room looking over that $300 check that he got for being named Rookie of the Year. Russell came over and said, I think you owe me half of that check. And Heinsohn asked why. And Russell said, because if I had been here from the beginning of the year, you never would have gotten it in the first place. And Russell was not joking. Heinsohn kept that $300. He knew that the Rookie of the Year award was probably going to be the only time in his career that he could beat out Russell for any award. And he was right. But over time, Heinsohn and Russell did become very good friends. There are only five people in the history of basketball who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame twice, both as a player and a coach. Bill Russell and Tommy Heinsohn are two of them. The others, by the way, are John Wooden, Lenny Wilkins, and Bill Sharman. And Sharman was also on that same team with the Celtics as Russell and Heinsohn. That is a ton of talent on one squad. And that is the story of how Tommy Heinsohn beat out Bill Russell for the 1957 Rookie of the Year Award. Join us next time when we share the story of how Larry Bird was briefly enrolled at Indiana University and a member of the Hoosiers basketball team under Bob Knight. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. 
Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.